Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wa salatu salam rasulullah, you're listening to Islam tomorrow. We're broadcasting live right now. So those of you who are online, you're in time, and this is the right place to be, because and we're going to be talking on the subject of the Qur'an and the Muslim youth today. And uh, I'm sure that many of you realize that the youth around the world are suffering very much uh, and in many ways. Our youth today are facing problems that children have never faced before, and in some cases. And in some cases, they're problems that have been here since Adam himself. So, the thing we want to talk about today, though, is our Muslim youth and what can be done. A child is a very precious commodity, and I think everybody would agree to that. Everybody loves babies, we love children, and, and anybody who would hurt a child is despicable. All of us would agree to that. Nobody likes to see children injured or hurt. Alhamdulillah, in the United States we have laws that protect children, and that's good. I'm very happy to see laws that protect children. At the same time, sometimes these laws that are put there to protect children actually may damage the child in the long run. Now, I want to refer to the Bible for the benefit of those who are perhaps more familiar with Christianity or Judaism. In the Old Testament, we find a very clear verse, and I believe you'll find it in the book of Proverbs, saying, if you spare the rod, you will spoil the child. Sparing the rod means that you don't use the to beat the child. And this is encouraging the parents to use the stick to whip the child so the child knows what is wrong and what is right. This is something taught by the Bible. The Quran does not teach us to beat our children. However, it's very clear in the Sunnah of Muhammad that children should be disciplined, but in a favorable way. One of the bad habits that many people have today in dealing with children is to condescend to them and treat them like they're less than human. When we become angry with the children, to holler at them, shout at them, say bad things toward them, and these things really are not going to help them. It's not really going to help them it will make it get worse in some cases. I want to refer to the Prophet Our Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, had Anas ibn Balik, I think it was, who was one of his regulars, who loved to take care of the Prophet. He would do anything for Prophet Muhammad and he said on one occasion that he had served Muhammad for more than ten years. And in all of that time, he said, the Prophet never blamed me for anything. Huh? Never blamed him for anything in more than ten years. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Can you remember even a single day when you didn't blame somebody for something? All of us are doing this every day. You know what? If you hadn't shut that door, 
I would be able to breathe better. If you hadn't turned on those lights over there, then, you know, so-and-so over there it wouldn't have bothered his eyes. If you didn't park the car over there, it wouldn't have got hit. If you didn't put the keys in the car and slam the door, you know, blah, 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 blaming everybody all the time. This is common practice, isn't it? But did you know this is something not in Islam? Blaming is a form of shirk. It's one of the forms of shirk, which is forbidden in Islam, is to blame other people for occurrences that take place. Because everything is from Allah, not from the people. And when something happens, good or bad, the Muslim says, Alhamdulillah. He does not blame people. Any good comes our way, we're supposed to be happy with the law, of course, and thank him. But what about the hard times? And the Prophet ﷺ said, Ajib, amazing is the condition of the believer, because only good happens to him. When any good comes his way, he's thankful to Allah, alhamdulillah. And when any difficulty or any fitna comes his way, he's patient, steadfast, sabr. And it's good for him. But this is only in the case of the believer. That's hadith, sahih. Now, if we understood that, we understand why then it's wrong to blame other people for what happens. Especially our children. Do you think they went out and planned to do these things? Do you think a child woke up this morning and said, let's see, now at about 4 o'clock this afternoon, Dad's going to be home. I'll stand out in the, ro in the road or the, the yard or the driveway with my ball playing. And just as he drives up, I'm going to throw it through the window and it'll go through there and break the window and knock the fish tank over and do all this stuff. You think he planned that? No. If it happens, it happens. We should tell him that that's not the way to throw the ball. That's okay. But you can't go more than that. You can't say, oh, look at this. If you didn't do this, this wouldn't happen and that wouldn't happen. See what you did. And that's what all of us do. Same with our wives. We blame our wives. And this is wrong. And by the way, women will take that to a point and they're going to get fed up. You can just blame them so long. And they know it's not their fault. Even if the food gets burned, the food was burned. But you don't say, you burned it. She didn't sit there with a blowtorch and just sit there and burn and burn. Ha, 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 ha. I burned up all the food. How do you think she feels? She worked real hard to prepare it. She didn't know. Maybe somebody called. Maybe she got distracted. Maybe the timer didn't go off. But she didn't start out in the beginning saying, gee whiz, I'd like to spend my whole day preparing a meal that winds up getting burned and I get made fun of. So don't do that. serves you burnt food and you see it's burned you got a choice get more ketchup <laughs> huh <laughs> or just smile real big and say you know what <laughs> have you got some more of the salad <laughs> that salad was pretty good <laughs> but it's wrong for us to blame and it's wrong for the ladies to blame us too we don't need to blame anybody so this is a good lesson for us in dealing with our youth don't blame them for things if something happens, they already feel bad enough. 
want to talk about an extreme, and that is when parents get divorced, children very often feel like it's their fault. They blame themselves. Nobody knows why, but even small, small children feel that they did something wrong. They have an idea that the parents split up, got divorced because I'm bad. There's something wrong with me. It's my fault that my parents divorced. This is so common that almost every case where there's a divorce, you have a child who has this feeling, I did something wrong. And they blame themselves. So we need to know about this. It means that when big events take place, the child will automatically look at themselves as having done something wrong already. Most likely, you don't have to say a whole lot to a child. They pick up on it. They sense things. Maybe they don't understand the words, but they see the faces, the expressions. They see the attitudes of the people around them, and it does affect them. So we need to take it easy on these guys. Have some patience with them. And just because you're having a bad day, you don't go home and take it out on the kids or the wife. And likewise, for the wives, when they're having a tough time, they shouldn't take it out on the kids, nor should they take it out on the dad. But dad, you have to understand, mom is there with them all day long. She has already had it up to here. So when you come home and you say, how's it going? And she starts to tell you and you say, yeah, whatever. I didn't really want to know, you know. How's it going today? Oh, you know what? Sarah did this. And Tasneem did this. Abdullah did so and so. Yeah, whatever. But did you get me any food? Where's the dinner? She said, I'm trying to tell you that this happened and that happened and so and so. Yeah, whatever. Okay, when do we eat? There has to be some compassion from our side to see what's the condition of the wife. And I'm saying this now because I heard a story, a true story, from one of our sisters. She shared with me that she works as a counselor in social work. And a Muslim sister came to her and told her story. Now, I can't tell names, of course, and I don't want to tell the exact story because if I do... Maybe somebody might hear it someday and feel like, oh man, you told my story. But on the other hand, you might not know this, but maybe many people have this story. So just because I'm saying it doesn't mean it was you exactly, but it might fit. But when the brother married the sister, when they first got married, there was so much love between them. He's so handsome and she's so beautiful and both of them just see each other as the perfect person. No problem. They have a child right away. Now, she has always been one of these people who takes care of the house, keeps it looking perfect, and when the Papa gets home, she's looking good for him. And whatever he wants to do, she's ready. Does he like to eat? Does he want to sit and talk? Does he want to cuddle up? What he likes to do, she's ready for him. Then they have another baby. And she continues taking care of now two children. Still keeping the house clean because he likes it to be clean. Especially looking just like out of a showroom. Another child. Now they have three. It's a little harder. Four, five, six. 
And now things are really getting tough. But mom's still trying to do the same thing, getting all the dishes washed on time, get the children off to school, having, you know, the smallest babies have their formula on time and changing the diapers and washing the clothes, keeping the rooms neat, fixing up the things the children are breaking, things are knocking over, spillage here, somebody throw up over there. Always trying to keep up. So when he comes home, still looking very nice for him. But now she can't do it. She can't do it because there's not enough hours between the time he leaves and the time he gets back for her to get it all together and make it work just right. So no children are crying and no children need anything and no children are hungry. and No, no you can't. But now he's really complaining on her, by the way. And he's giving her a hard time and blaming her. And she's feeling bad. To the extent that when she goes home to visit the folks back in the old country, she doesn't want to come back. She just want to stay there. I don't want to see him anymore. And her parents are saying, what's the matter with you? You've got the best husband. He's making money. He's doing good. He's good to you. He's nice to the children. He prays five times a day. He's taking, you know, the, even the oldest one to the masjid. What's the matter with you? Are you crazy? Get out of the house and get back to your husband. He doesn't know. They don't tell him. She tries again and again. And more children are coming. And pretty soon she's at the point where... She starts having nervous breakdowns. During the day, she just goes crazy. And the children are looking at her like, what's the matter with her? She's screaming and crying and falling on the bed. What, what, what is this? And even sometimes when she's trying to make everything so perfect for him, and he comes home and he says, what's this dirt over here? Oh, take his finger and touch the top of the, over the door or the window and say, I found dust. And all of a sudden, she started crying and run to the room. He said, what's the matter with you? Are you crazy? And she thinks, now maybe I'm crazy. Luckily, she runs into... By the way, he doesn't allow that she's going to go out and have any outside contact. He likes to just stay home. Which, by the way, when you got that many kids, you can't really do much running around anyway. But by chance, in the grocery store, she bumps into this sister who does this work and she started to tell that I'm going crazy I don't know what's the matter with me she made an appointment said with the sister talk with her she said you've got a problem you need to get some relief one of the things they talk about let's get a maid they got a maid to help her a lady comes in every day to help but the problem got worse why well even with a maid these things are still not going to be perfect when the father comes home. It's going to be less work for her in some ways, but you still can't time it so no kids are crying and everything's perfect every time he walks home. So now he gets really angry because he says, I'm paying for a maid and I still am not getting what I want. It's not until the social worker tells that he needs to help with the children that anything happens. As soon as he hears it, he said, we never did that. My father never did that. My grandfather never did that. They said, it doesn't really matter, does it? If you want to keep this lady, if you want to keep your family, if you don't want to be standing across from her in a court with a judge in the middle deciding the fate of you and your children, then you need to listen real close. Take this boy to the masjid with you every morning. Take this other boy out for the baseball instead of making mom take him and run all these errands. 
take this little girl over here to see her friends for their little party on the weekend. Let this boy go with you over here and take the children, all of them, sometime and let her relax at home. And stop demanding the house has to be so-and-so. If you see something wrong, pick up a cloth and clean it yourself. Who are you? You're a Muslim. Are you a king? Only Allah is the master. Not you. All Muslims are servants. And so are you. You say, oh, I'm the imam of the house. That's when you're making salat. Are you making salah? Then please, stop talking to me and get back to your salah. When you're done, then I'll continue telling you. When you're out of salat, you're still a servant. And it says in Quran, and I'll read it to you in Surah An-Nisa, what your job is, inshallah. Turn with me to the Quran. Go to Surah An-Nisa, chapter 4, the women. I want you to look up verse number 34. Al-Rajulu. Al-Rajul. What is Rajul? Man. Does it mean mankind? No. Insan is mankind. Rajul means males. Yes. The men are the protectors and maintainers of the women because Allah has made one to excel the other and because they spend from their means. The men are the what? Maintainers? What is a maintainer? Custodian. What is a custodian? You know in school they have a custodian, right? Is he the big shot? Is the custodian the big shot at the school? Is he the principal? No. What's the other word? Protector. Security guard. Is the security guard the president of the United States? No. These are servants. Yes or no? So who are you? When Allah told you you were a servant to this lady. You say, well brother, I don't read it that way. That's because you don't want to. That's exactly why a lot of men are in the trouble they're in today. Because you don't want to hear the truth. You are a protector. Security guard and a maintainer, the custodian, and you spend from what you have to take care of them. Is that true or false? Who pays the bills? Man or the woman? Who makes the money? Yes? Can a woman make money? Does she have to spend any of her money? No. By the way, ladies, we talked about equality earlier. And I know some of you like this idea of equality, Islam says men have to spend their money on you, but you don't spend your money on them. Would we like to change that? You spend your money to upkeep the house and they don't have to spend theirs. I don't think so. Uh, wait, don't throw that at me. Hold on. I was just kidding. <laughs> Get violent when you... <laughs> Equality was okay until I said that. Forget about it. No, Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said men spend from their means support the women. Raju. Why Raju? Because the father's responsible for the girl. And that was amazing at that time when it came 1400 years ago, the jahil, the ignorant people of the mushrikeen, the idolaters, 
pagans in the desert used to kill the little girl when she was born. They used to bury him alive. They didn't want him. Allah is saying, no, you can't do that anymore. He forbid that. And he's saying here, all the men are responsible for these girls. He even told us in Quran, you can't kill your children because you're afraid they're going to compete with you for the food. He can do that. Man is responsible for his daughter. And then, what about when she starts getting older and older and older? Maybe the father dies. Who's now responsible? The mother? No. The brother supports his sister. Yes or no? Rajul, he's a man. When she gets married, husband, he's a Rajul, a man, takes care of the lady. Yes or no? And then, when she gets older, maybe the husband dies. Who takes care of her now? The son. Yes or no? Yes. So throughout the life of the woman in Islam, it is the men who take care of the women. And if she's an orphan girl, the rest of the men of the community must take care of her. Yes or no? And if she's married and she becomes widowed and has no income, no relative, the men of the community have to support her. Yes or no? It's not, an, it's not like it's a special treat for the lady. It's obligation on every man to do this. Let's read some more of the verse. Therefore, righteous women are devoutly obedient. A lot of times, brothers tell the women, this means you have to worship me. Whoa! Yeah, you have to be obedient to me. I'm looking at the tafsir, the translation of the meaning of the explanation of the Quran, and it says here that they're devoutly obedient to Allah and then to their husbands. But this only means obedient to the extent that the husbands don't tell them to do something that's not in Islam. If it's not in Islam, they mustn't do it. If it's against the teaching of Islam, they can't do it. If the husband said, for instance, look, you know what? You have to do what I say. That means I want you to cheat on this stuff over here and do so and so and so to make some money for me so I can do it because you have to obey me. No! It's against Islam. So you don't have to do that. Devoutly committed to Allah and then the husband. And to guard while the husband is away what Allah orders her to guard. That means her chastity and the property of her husband. And as to the women whose conduct you see is bad, bad conduct, it means something really bad, okay, that she's doing, then Allah made no suggestions here, but bad conduct is not just that she burps out loud or something like that. We're talking something serious. Then you have to admonish him first and if they still continue, refuse to share the beds, and lastly, daraba, if they return to obedience, seek not against them means of annoyment, annoyance, and surely Allah is most high, most great. I left a word in the Arabic language. Well, it's not daraba; it's from this root. It says, "Wad bi." Uh, it's from this word though what does it mean what does it mean and 
There's two understandings for this. First, I'll tell you the most common one known, is the term to hit. And there's, from the Prophet ﷺ, a hadith. Well, they said there's a question on this hadith, by the way. That says, when it comes to this, and he took the two-stick and hit himself and said, this is all it means. But in the Arabic, the known Arabic language, there's a reference that the scholars of Arabic use to talk about something that's known, that when the camel is mating with the other camel, daraba, using this exact word, meaning that he covered her, or that you know he is over her. And that expression, they said, can apply here, because it does say to return back to the bed with her. Because you have left the bed, now you can go back to the bed. In either case, it doesn't give permission for the man to beat his wife. He has no permission from this verse to take a whip, a stick, or anything else and beat on his wife. The only hadood or punishment has to come from a judge. When there's corporal punishment, it has to come from a judge. It can't be that a man just picks up a stick at his own whim and says, I think it's time to beat on you. It doesn't work like that. So, for sure, if anybody does this, they're wrong. And if anybody's saying this is this, it's something to do with Islam, then this is also incorrect. The proof. Because whenever we don't understand an ayah, or there's a question, maybe we need clarification, we look to the Qur'an. We find nothing else in the Qur'an saying something like that. To say that you pick up sticks, stones, or your arms, or legs, and kicking and beating on the women. It doesn't say that. Do you know of any place? Anywhere? No. But we do then go to the Hadith, or the teachings of Muhammad for clarification. What did he say? He said, don't beat your wives. Very clearly said this. You cannot do that. And he said, how could you beat them like an animal in the day and then want to go to them like your wife at night? How? And he said, the best of you are the best to your wives and I'm the best of you to my wives. Yes or no? Understanding this, we realize now it was shaitan who made us think the wrong way. We don't have this right over the women. Because you support them because you clothe them, because you feed them, because you educate them, because you shelter them, you still don't have the right to beat them. And this includes browbeating, which means to look at her with a bad way like, oh yeah, nor does it give you the right to condescend to her and talk bad to her. She's your wife. She's not your slave. And the minute that you forget this, you'll be in trouble with the law. Because these are the handmaidens of Allah. This is another reference to the Prophet. He does not like you to be the handmaidens of Allah. The Muslim women are very special to Allah. Allah loves them. He guided them in Islam. They pray. They fast. They make dua. Their dua maybe is better than your dua. Maybe these women who are being oppressed by you, and when you oppress anybody, their du'a is accepted by Allah. And what if they made that du'a against you? Whoa! That'd be pretty tough, wouldn't it? 
to imagine that, oh, now I understand why I'm having all these problems in my life. Yeah, my wife's making dog gets me over here. Whoa! So it's time for Muslim men who have this problem to deal with it and stop because it isn't acceptable in Islam for a man to beat his wife. And it's also not acceptable to beat the children. When children grow up seeing beatings, then there's a strong chance they're going to do it themselves. When they get older, when they become older, they're going to wind up doing the same thing to their wives and to their children. And it gets worse, not better. If anybody has this problem, then they should go and talk to the imam or talk to somebody who can give them professional help and they should definitely be praying to Allah for guidance and they should be making tawbah for this and asking each other to help each other in staying away from this thing because it's from shaitan only from shaitan